You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Box. I'm your host, Ken Pittman, joined by the founder of BrewHoops.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As we are still one day away from one of the more anticipated matchups of the regular season, the Lakers are going to come into Fireset Forum on Thursday night. Yes, the Bucks' winning streak came to an end at 18, but you know what? I reckon if you asked Mike Budenholzer and the rest of the Bucks staff at the start of the season if they would take a 24-4 and record at this point, I think they might have been happy with that. And while we have a little day in between here, before we get to that game, we're going to focus in on the work that the executive of the year, John Horst, is doing because it's December 18, which means the guys that were signed last summer can now officially be traded, which means it's officially trade season. And we're going to go through some of the guys that have been rumored to the Bucks. Look at a couple of guys that potentially would fit with the Bucks. Could they actually trade for them? We don't know. We know the Bucks certainly contract-wise, aren't as flexible as some of the other teams going around in the league with all the long-term deals they signed in the summer. But we're going to get to that because uh, that, this is a big talking point right now. But before we do, I want to bring something up with you, Frank, because over the last couple of games, I've noticed something. Marcus Johnson referred to Wesley Matthews as Wesley Matthews the fourth the other day. And it's the first time I've heard that. And then in the game against Dallas, Paschke, Matthews took a shot. Jim Paschke said as he took the shot, is Wesley Matthews the fourth? Did you hear this during the game? I heard the reference tonight, um, and I don't like when he said that. I was like, "Oh yeah, I, I, I think I think I am aware of that." And but then <laughs> I actually don't know if if I was previously. I, I will say this just because I haven't mentioned it previously. Uh, when Wesley when Wes Matthews is making shots, uh, I think the best nickname, and I'm stealing this from a uh, friend of the pod, Pratik Patel. Um, Pratik had some reference to Wesley, West West Matthews as Wesley Snipes when he's making shots, <laughs> and so whether he's a junior, the fourth, the eighth, who cares? He's Wesley Snipes when he actually makes shots. Uh, you know, unfortunately on Monday, maybe not so much Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have not seen uh, the ancestry dot com on uh, West Matthews uh, family family history. Um, I, I do recall his dad was a Wes Matthews, um, but I and, and I, I was just looking at the uh, the his Wikipedia page. Supposedly Wesley Matthews Senior is his dad, and he's Wesley Matthews Junior. Uh, but but I don't know. Maybe that just seemed not cool enough. So they now they're going by by the fourth. I don't know. Or maybe it's some. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, when Paschke pulled it out tonight, I'm like, okay, are we like, is he going to get that on his jersey, or like, how how far are we taking this? Do we is this is this has there been some kind of change where this is what we're going to call him now? But interesting, you brought up Pratik calling uh, Matthews 
Wesley Snipes when he hits a three because while we're on nicknames, I've got one other thing I want to get to before we get to the possible trades. I tweeted tonight, uh, we need a nickname for the Dante Giannis connection. And I asked some people for some ideas because these two, particularly in transition, they seem, I mean, Dante just seems to make a generally smart decisions with the ball uh, passing to Giannis. First of all, he gets the ball to him quickly, but then they just seem to have a nice connection building. I got a bunch of uh, suggestions here. So I got Dante DeCumbo, Dante's Yanferno, <laughs> freaky, freaky Delaware, Dante DeCumbo again, Divin Frico, I don't mind that. Freaky Ragu, that's that's uh, that's nice. Denzel, Greek pasta, Greek <laughs> Greek dressing, Yante, Donyani, <laughs> Adonis, and Yante Divin Kumbo. So we got some we got some nice suggestions. There's way too many went way too many uh, uh, syllables in a lot of those probably. Um, Freaky I Ragu, w- I like. <clears throat> Freaky, yeah, I don't like Big Ragu as a nickname, but yeah. um, for some reason, it, it, in something as absurd as combining Dante and Giannis into one nickname, um, yeah, I don't know, Freaky Ragu, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what uh, what what it would be, but um, I, I'm I'm less offended just because by definition it's going to be kind of a joke joke nickname anyway. So um, yeah, so people want to continue to knock themselves out with that. I I do think it was. Um, you know, the DJ Wilson, uh, uh, Dante, um, you know, bromance, I think is easier just because, you know, DJ Vincenzo, yeah. um, you know, there's kind of different, different things you can do just cause there are uh, similarities in some of the names. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And, and I was also, um, I was talking to Steve on horn. Steve was, and I, I don't agree with this. I know what he's, he's getting at. He was sort of saying if, if, if Dante had sort of like some like early Cavs Della Vadova energy because he's kind of like scrappy role player guard type guy. Um, and obviously like athletically he's much more athletic than, than Delhi is, but kind of like, you know, energy little, there's definitely something to put both of those guys at that point. Um, and you know, I, th- I, I might've done it too. Like there might've been some, um, you know, uh, Della Vincenzo, you know, if, if, if they had ever played together last yeah. year and obviously, uh, you know, that, that got cut short when, when he was traded, thankfully, uh, a month into the season, but, uh, I'm, I'm all for this type of brainstorming, um, you know, Snell of Adova, the Tony Snell, uh, <laughs> uh Matthew Della Vadova starting backcourt kind of crazy that that was a starting backcourt at one point. Um, but, uh, you know, that, uh, that, yes, I'm, I'm now just sort of shedding a small tear. At, uh, at the dearly departed Tony Snell, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm I, I'm I think I'm I'm nicknamed out. All right, okay. So I I mean I would say the clubhouse leaders right now, Freaky Ragu and Freaky Delaware. I also like. Um, they're both. <laughs> I mean, they're both absolutely ridiculous. Oh, but... Delaware Dova, Delaware Dova, Delaware was the Dova. Other one. Wasn't that? Did you that... come up with that, or did you just I say that? I did. Yeah. No, I, I think I, I'm 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 claiming that. Also, also I don't know. See, you you were previously on the the Eurostep podcast with Ty. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, this is kind of a stupid thing, but I'm, I'm still going to claim to be the first person to use the term Eurostep G Y R O to describe a Giannis move. Cause I used that, I think in his either first or second preseason game in Milwaukee back in 2013. So I'm claiming Eurostep. I'm not claiming any 
uh, royalties or anything off of t-shirt sales. I think by the way, the logo is very cool uh, that, that Ty and now Rohan have for, for the podcast. So I have obviously nothing, no, no, nothing to do with that. Uh, but, but I, I'm going to claim Eurostep as, as, as being the first person to use it. You can check it on Twitter. It's out there. October, 2013, it's out there. Uh, and if somebody has it sooner, show me the receipts. All right. Well, I'm no longer uh, on that pod. So if you want to press ahead with legal action, then um, <laughs> feel, feel free. I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, I like Ty, but I'm also happy to take him down. So we can, uh, we, can, <laughs> we, can, we can do that if you want. But all right. All right. All right. I got, I got really sidetracked here because, um, you know, I mean, the Bucks haven't lost for a long time. And there was just a couple of funny things that let's lighten the mood a little bit here before the Bucks get back on the next winning streak. Today's podcast is brought to you by Casper. Casper is the original mattress that combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL and using locked NBA at the checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from locked on sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. The interesting thing is we are past the December 15th deadline, which is uh, when the guys that are signed over the summer can be traded. So, uh, you know, while we've seen trades earlier, I believe that uh, Delhi trade was before that deadline last year. So, I mean, it's not impossible to make those trades. And then obviously Bledsoe as well was an early season one. But this is typically when things really tip off. And I, I didn't watch this, and I don't know whether you did, uh, Frank, the uh, Zach Lowe, uh, Woj, trade special or whatever but you always find out what people are talking about in there in particular with the bucks uh a couple of guys that they mentioned which isn't really going to surprise anyone uh robert covington and also jj reddick now i i'm I'm interested i before we even get into any names i mean we've spoke a lot about potentially uh trades the bucks can make and it always inevitably includes ursan Ilyasova, just simply because that $7 million or, or thereabouts that he has is one of the only sizable contracts that the Bucks have that they can potentially move. I think they also have some other interesting guys. I would like to withdraw DiVincenzo from the interesting guys that may have value that you want to move because he's proving to be an impact player right now, which is what we've spoke about uh, with those three guys that you might be concerned about that. But Sterling Brown and DJ Wilson are two other guys, and I know people will be upset that you even... Think about mentioning DJ Wilson and potentially if you're moving Ursan anyway, you can't do that. Uh, but that with the pick that they got from the Brogdon stuff, I mean, is there has anything changed in your mind at this point in terms of uh, guys that you would be willing to include or, or avenues that you might look down? I mean, I think fundamentally you look at this team and, and again, I don't think you can, um, you know, obviously you start by looking at, at the team in isolation and, and where you think the, the strengths and weak spots are. Um, but I don't think you can look past matchups and potential, you know, yeah. matchups with uh, other potent, you know, other contending teams out there. And so I think, um, you know, Wes Matthews has, I'd say, risen to the occasion when the Bucks have had some, you know, marquee matchups. I mean, opening night against the Rockets, defense he played on on Harden, and and I don't know if it was as good against Westbrook or how much he played against Westbrook, but uh, I thought he had some good moments there. And then, and obviously against uh, Kawhi, I thought he did a nice job against that in that Clippers blowout. Uh, but that said, uh, you know, do I want to go 
into a uh, NBA Finals, uh, you know, potential matchup with the Clippers, relying on Wes Matthews uh, to be my, you know, other wing defender along with Chris Middleton. Eh, not my first choice, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously offensively as well, Wes is a guy who obviously can hit threes, he can get hot. Um, and, you know, I think we've seen generally he's, he's been a pretty solid complimentary, you know, fifth guy on the floor when he's out there with the starters. You know, he, he doesn't mess up that much, um, but the bar is pretty low. Would it be nice to have a more dynamic guy, a guy that you could potentially have with uh, different types of lineups and, you know, that could just do more stuff? Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, I think clearly that spot is by far the weakest spot in the starting five. So for me, the, the you know, the, the focal point would still be can you upgrade that shooting guard position? Um, and then I think sort of the, the second part of that is, you know, if you can get a guy who both upgrades the shooting guard spot and gives you sort of Eric Bledsoe playmaking insurance, where if Bledsoe is, you know, getting played off the floor, basically, and, and again, not because he can't play defense, but because, you know, he's in his own head, can't make shots, et cetera, like we saw uh, in the East Finals last year, then having another guy who can make plays, and obviously this is always the, the Malcolm Brogdon corollary, uh, somebody who could be that, that, you know, fallback option. Um, aside from from George Hill. Uh, so th- those are kind of the two, I'd say, motivating factors when I think about trade targets. Um, so I think when you hear, you know, we've talked a lot about Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, mm-hmm. you know, Robert Covington and and J.J. Redick. I think Zach Lowe was on a podcast. I think he mentioned them. I, I don't, I have not, I did not hear it myself, but, you know, that that's sort of been the origin of some of that, that basically, not that the Bucks are, you know, nearing a trade, but that, um you know, just the belief that the Bucks would would poke around uh, potential deals for those guys. Uh, I think at least those guys pass sort of a smell test of, you know, yeah, JJ offensively, is he a more dynamic shooter? Does he have more shooting gravity than Wes Matthews? Absolutely. Now, again, I think he probably has more defensive limitations because he's smaller, you know, has has short arms. Um, I think he's I think he's been underrated at times as a defender. Um, yeah, me too. But but I think again, just the physical limitations kind of are what they are, and and you know he's going to get hunted to to you know an extent if if he's playing in a in a major series. Now he's never been unplay. You know, I don't think he's been unplayable for the Sixers the last couple of years by any stretch. Um, he's continued to be a, obviously a really key guy for them, and you know just watching him hit incredible shot after incredible shot against the Bucks. Uh, you know he's the kind of guy that man be nice to not have to face that guy. Uh, so again, there's, there's a dimension of, of him kind of bringing something that is interesting. He's also a guy who has another year at, I think 13 million after this, he's 35 years old. So he's certainly not helping the youth movement. If you're giving up any type of future assets for him, um, Covington, you know, legitimately can, has shown he can guard one through four, probably definitely the most versatile defender out of some of the guys that we've heard discussed, uh, a guy who can, you know, I think we've seen even in Minnesota this year when the Bucks played them can take and make really long threes, uh, but not a creator in any way uh, with the ball. And then Bogdanovich, obviously the guy who um, is the most dynamic offensively in terms of actually being able to run offense, right? I mean, Bogdanovich is, you know, he's a Serbian national team point guard. He can run your offense in crunch time, make big shots. Um, And defensively, certainly is not Robert Covington. Um, I think he's, you know, he's bigger than than J.J. Redick. He's not great. He's not going to be unplayable or anything like that. Um, but, you know, we've probably talked a lot about him. So, I don't know. Those, those three guys kind of have been people that I've thought about the most. Um, 
I, there's also been some talk about Drew Holiday and maybe does he become available out of that New Orleans dumpster fire? I just assume he doesn't. Um, he's obviously also paid would've. a ton of money. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, he's also, to me, he's just like a different level player than those other guys as well. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if he was available, I'd be curious to know what it would take. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, it, it's kind of a, that's, that's a, a different type of trade. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to jump into that one as well because Drew's obviously a super talented guy. But, um, but yeah, so, so that, that's kind of how I'm, I'm sort of thinking about it. Um, I know there's been some talk also about Davis, Davis Bertans, who's, you know, more of that kind of power forward, unconscious shooter type guy, kind of a more of a, you know, probably a straight Urson uh, replacement um, type, type player, more obviously offensive oriented. Um, but for me, I'm, I still just lean towards guards and guys who can either upgrade you offensively or uh, in the case of Covington, a guy that you could throw out on the court with Middleton and feel really good about, you know, your defensive options against guys like, you know, Kawhi, LeBron, uh, Paul George, et cetera. Yeah. So uh, just to, with, with Redick, the, the problem I have with how the Bucks could actually acquire him is that when you look at the salary, I mean, 13 million, and yes, it's another 13 next year, but I'm not so worried about having one extra year, particularly with a guy like Reddick, because I think you can, I mean, particularly if he's only got one year left, I mean, you can flip that very easily, like if, if, you, if that's the path you want to go down. But the problem with trying to figure out how you get enough guys together to, to get him across, again, it probably ends up where the easiest path to that is just saying, okay, let's throw S on in. But then what? Like you've got Reddick, but <laughs> what do you do with a, a guy like Urson who's been playing big minutes? They haven't really shown uh, that they want to play DJ Wilson a lot. So if you are trading for Reddick, and uh, it's definitely a huge upgrade at the at the guard position in terms of scoring because as good as West has been, and he's shown some versatility defensively, as you said, uh, he's not going to get you 30 on a, any given night like Reddick can. I mean, Reddick can, can just go off and, and get you 30, and he can win you a, a playoff game. Like, that's a, that is a true needle-moving trade for mine. But if you trade Ursan, then, then what do you do at the 4-5? At the I mean, I know you have Brooke and, and Robin, and obviously Giannis is going to, uh, you think, is going to play a lot more minutes to, in, in, a, in a playoff game close to 40. But I just wonder then whether uh, they are okay with the fact that maybe you are playing uh, uh, DJ Wilson in, in the playoff game in, in the rotation. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Breaking Tea. If you're looking for last-minute fun sports gifts for the holidays, go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams' passionate moments. Great for all fans. Go to breakingtea.com slash locked on and then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. Yeah, um, and as you said, JJ is uh, a terrific shooter. Um, But I don't know. I mean, again, it's... uh, I think it's just a question of what are you trying to solve for? um, And are you trying to solve for offense uh, and, and shooting in particular? And again, JJ would be a better offensive player than, than Wes Matthews. No question. Um, but on the margins, given the number of shots that are available um, and also just the way JJ is used. I mean, JJ has gravity and I think the Bucks have sort of seen obviously with Corver 
similar guy uh, who you can't just put in a corner, right? Like that's not how you get the most out of a Corvo Reddick. You have to run him off screens. You have to run, you have to run actions for him. Um, You know, and obviously some of that's using him as a uh, decoy. Um, But for better or worse, you know, he can't just be the fifth guy who's just sitting over there watching. Um, uh, and, and again, I mean, if he is doing that, then his guy's going to have to stand really close to him and it's going to be a four on four game, which with the honest in the court, you know, you like your odds, but um, yeah, it's uh it's, it's an interesting question. I mean, again, like ultimately with all these guys, the first question I have is well, what, what do you have to give up? Right. Because I assume you have to give up less for JJ Reddick than you have to give up for Robert Covington, who just turned 29 and, has I think, as well. three years, yeah, yeah, three years at you know what ten million or something left. Like he's basically like a, you know, he looks like he's going to be a really, I mean, really nice deal uh, versus Reddick, who's obviously older and still playing generally well. Um, and uh, you know, again, and obviously, I, I'm not even talking about Holiday because I, it just seems like he probably would be the most difficult to acquire. But also part of that is because his contract number is so big, it just mean makes the mechanics of it harder, especially for a team like the Bucks, where you know, you really don't have as much uh, latitude, right? I mean, you'd, you'd kind of almost, I mean, I, off the top of my head, I think you'd probably have to include Bledsoe and, and Ursan, uh probably um, to make a kind of deal like that work. And obviously at that point, like, you know, does, I, I don't know, does, does, uh, does New Orleans want Eric Bledsoe? I don't know. You know, that's, that's kind of one of those questions. Yeah. The Pelicans are, are, are really interesting because if I'm them right now, you, you're, I mean, really, you don't know whether Zion's going to play. Uh, and you're almost at the point where, okay, let's just throw in the towel for this season. Let's get another uh, draft pick. I, I, I believe they've got their pick this year, unless they don't, that, that I, I'm not aware of. But if they have their pick this year, then you can, as you said, Drew Holiday doesn't necessarily need to be a guy uh, that you play on ball. He can, play, he can move to the two-guard spot. Yeah, Brandon Ingram, who looks great, you're probably going to pay. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't if you knew Orleans at this point. You get Zion in next year. And then, I don't know, if you've got a really high pick, maybe you go with someone like LaMelo Ball and then you have your, your point guard. I mean, the Pelicans are looking really good. So, for mine, I, I don't think that they should trade Drew Holiday, and I don't know why he would be on the block unless it was a great deal. And as you pointed, I, I'm not sure whether Bledsoe is the guy that's going to entice them as the centerpiece of the deal. The other interesting thing for me, and you sort of touched on it a little bit earlier, is that and maybe I'm getting too far ahead of myself here when I say this, but I look at the East and I say, okay, the Sixers, they're really big. The Lakers and Clippers, obviously with Davis and LeBron and then Kawhi and PG. I'm more worried defensively than I am offensively. And and yeah, I get it at times. You're like, okay, maybe the, the Bucks do need another ball handler and a guy that can get his own shot off the dribble. Like I understand that. But defensively, I think they could use another another guy. And I don't feel totally comfortable with, with Ursan defending uh, a LeBron at times, as we saw last year. Or, you know, if they, whatever lineup they want to throw out there, defending any of those guys, I don't feel comfortable with that. And that's why the Covington is obviously ideal. Uh, but, you know, Jay Crowder, he's only got a $7 million deal. Maybe he is a guy that, that, that interests him. He's a guy that's defended LeBron before. Uh, but the, the complete... This is this is not something that I expect is going to happen, but you know we we may as well bring him up. The the veteran, the guy that's sitting at home, uh, that's not at all has been linked to the Bucks. There's no suggestion that Milwaukee would even look at doing it. He's 35 years old, won a couple of championships with Golden State. There's no way that they would even uh, kick the tires with that. Would you say? 
Uh, you're talking about Iggy? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, it's a weird staring contest they're in right now because I think, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure what the odds are of him ultimately getting bought out versus an actual trade happening. Uh, I, I mean, you know, if Memphis tries to win a staring contest, then, I mean, if it gets to late February, uh, then the obvious question would be, okay, well, he's going to have to agree to some sort of buyout, give some money back uh, just to get his freedom, right. To be able to sign with, uh, with a, a, a contender. And um, I mean, in that scenario, I've never really felt like Iggy was likely to come to Milwaukee. There's always been just the discussion that he'd go to one of the LA teams. Um, so yeah, I, I, or I don't know. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody's really talked about Philly as a potential destination. Um, I don't, he's kind of a weird fit in Philly just because, you know, he's another guy who isn't really a shooter, even though he can kind of make, you know, some, some threes. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the presumption has been that the Lakers have the inside line on him. And, you know, other than that, as far as a trade goes, uh, I mean, what does, what does Memphis need? I don't know. That's a good question. Like if it gets to the deadline and, you know, teams are just expecting, you know, Iggy to, to eventually get a buyout. Does anybody offer anything of value? And especially, I mean, it's not necessarily easy to, to make salaries match um, versus, you know, I don't know. I mean, if the Bucks came and said, we'll give you Ursan and uh, Sterling Brown or something like that, or Ursan Sterling Brown and a distant, second, distant yeah. second round pick or something like that. I, I don't know. You might I mean, even have to throw in like Bender or something like that and say, okay, like take these guys, you're the Grizzlies. Yeah, you're going to get off our son's money next year. You get a couple of young guys that you can play, see what you think of them. And and maybe, yeah, a second, maybe that entire, I mean, at some point, if you're the Grizzlies, like take what you can get, like get, get a young yeah. player, see what you can do with that. And I, I just, I don't think the Bucks, like, this is as, as far fetched as I can believe. I don't think they're going to get uh, Iggy, but is you know it's interesting to think about if you're in the NBA finals he'd be a pretty handy guy to play on those uh those star star uh, bigger players the other teams have got yeah and i mean the other um the other thing i mean memphis already got a first round pick out of this i think right i mean so they yeah. already got their king's ransom so yeah. at this point and i don't blame them uh they're just sort of holding out to see if they can get you know one one more good? shiny yeah. piece of silver out of it which more power to them uh so now it's just a question of kind of what are the what are the power dynamics of of that relationship. By the way, on JJ Redick, I mean I'd be remiss if I didn't point out the supreme irony of <laughs> the Bucks yes. potentially trading for JJ Redick for a second time, and you know the idea of the Bucks potentially making a win now trade uh, for JJ Redick when they are you know a sixty ish win team with uh, a strong chance of playing in the NBA finals versus when they actually did it in, I guess it was 2013, I, I guess was when they, when they, they did this the, the last time when they were, you know, a uh, eight seed or bust team led by Brandon Jennings and Monte Ellis. Um, just a, a good reminder of how hilariously far this franchise has come. I mean, that was, I mean, look back, right? That was the year that everyone said, why are you guys going for this? You're just hurting your draft pick. And lo and behold, the 15th pick ends up turning into Giannis. And, you know, just bizarre how, um, you know, the, the the year they should have, the year that they most unnecessarily didn't take, maybe they end up with Giannis at 15. The year they finally tank, they get Jabari Parker. And, you know, look how those things have worked out. The, the world works in mysterious ways. So 
it, it would be kind of hilarious just just for that full circleness uh, for for JJ Redick to end up in, in Milwaukee. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't I do not expect that to happen. But obviously, with everything happening in in New Orleans, as as we discussed you know last week, uh, I don't know what New Orleans is kind of building towards right now because it just doesn't seem like a lot is, is going right. Yeah, so that's just uh, fast forward to the Eastern Conference Finals. The Bucks uh, do trade for JJ Redick. Uh, it's Game Seven against Philadelphia, and Redick has thirty points to to help the Bucks get to the NBA Finals over Tobias Harris and the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> and let's just pretend that he was with the Bucks the whole time. <laughs> that is that is a uh, hilarious thing. But uh, Tobias Harris also, it's funny. I mean, he gets you know, used in a stupid win now move in that trade to, to get shipped to the magic, the magic then, uh, if memory serves correctly, basically give him away to the Pistons for, I think Brandon Jennings was actually in that trade, uh, (laughs) to with Detroit because the magic had ambitions of clearing cap space. And I don't know, I think, was that the summer that they used their cap space on Bismack Biombo? Um, maybe I'm, I'm mixing up the years, but, uh, you know, Tobias going from, you know, bad bad trade from the Bucks, giving him away for a rental and JJ to hey, he has some hope. He looks like he's got potential. Uh, shows some real flashes and and productivity with the Magic. Gets literally given away to the Pistons, who then use him. You know, in a trade that really changes the fortunes of the Clippers because they're able to get off Blake Griffin, and then the Clippers turn around and extract a king's ransom for him from Philly, even though Tobias was the guy as on an expiring contract at that time. So just, yeah, just sort of, I don't know, strange how these things sort of tend to tend to overlap. And um, I don't know, we'll, we'll have to see here. There are probably going to be even more overlaps between some of these guys we're talking about just because the, the world works in such mysterious ways. Yeah. And I, I really love Tobias Harris as a player. I think he's great. Um, he's, he's definitely overpaid. And like for all the concern about Chris Milton in, in Milwaukee, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a rough contract for, for Philly. And then when you combine the fact that uh, Horford and what the hell did I do with, with Embiid and Simmons, the Sixers are an interesting team in this in this trade period before we um, look to wrap this up because they're a scary team if they make a, a real move. I don't know what it looks like for them, but if they pick up... Uh, I mean, if they really, really want to uh, blow this thing up, and I don't think they will, but if they look to trade uh, Simmons, I don't think there's any way that they would trade Embiid. I think if it was going to be either of those two, I think it's Simmons. And I think it's it's too early into this experiment that they tried last summer with with going as as big as they did. Uh, that I, I don't think that they're willing to do that yet. And they're doing fine. I mean, they're four games behind the Bucks. Like this is very early in the season. There's plenty of time for them to figure this out. But the Sixers getting another. Uh, shooter, and I think back to a, a couple of years ago when they picked up Bellinelli and, and Ilya Sober in the buyout market. Philly's kind of a scary team to monitor because they might look to do something, and and they're only really like one or two additions away from you. Just like, oh man, that is a scary team again. If you didn't already feel that way, yeah. And I mean, Simmons has his big contract, his big extension kicking in next year, so. I mean, I'm not going to get in details, but it's yeah. it's hard, it was always harder to trade those those types of guys just because the the cap treatment is is complicated mm-hmm. when they're due a, a big uh, a big extension number uh, the following season. Um, I mean, I think I think I think this Sixers team. I, I would expect that the Simmons and Bead pieces are are locked in. I imagine Horford is locked in this year at least. 
Um, and I think everything else is kind of a kind of a question. I mean, I, I'd be surprised if they traded Harris. Um, but the obvious question would be, you know, do they do they try to find an upgrade with you know some of these guys that we're talking about? And and ironically. I mean, they had Robert Covington on the roster two years ago. They had J.J. Redick on the roster a year ago. Uh, so they're not unfamiliar with, with a number of these guys. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's kind of uh, going to be interesting to watch. Just, you know, how do, they, how do they perceive their roster strength and weaknesses? And I think there's generally a sense that Philly's, Philly's style could be, you know, more beneficial in the playoffs, um, which, again, is – kind of a guess to some extent um but uh you know it's a good question uh you know do they do they play well enough or you know on the flip side struggle you know they play well enough that that elton brand stays pat or do they struggle enough or or maybe not just struggle enough but you know do do they appear to be us you know a a tier below the other contenders such that they feel pressure to make some sort of move right Uh, and they have some young pieces you know Zaire Smith, I don't think he's really playing at all this no. year. Matisse Teibel is is uh, has has a lot of people uh, excited. Um, so I mean, they they have some some pieces uh, that again they they might be able to use as far as uh, you know current young players, not necessarily like an obvious guy. Um, but I, I think the big question for me, obviously, longer term is is the Simmons piece. And you know, if they don't make it out of the East this year, then I think obviously you know depending on on the circumstances around it the noise around uh you know the, the fake australian ben simmons uh with that american accent you, you can't you gotta you gotta be wary of, of australians with 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 american accents kane i don't i don't think i need to tell you that uh so we'll see if uh, if they maybe make a move there no yeah i had some i've had some sweet people and and they still tell me some people here they reckon that that uh my accent has changed i don't i don't i don't think uh it has and i will dispute that uh, vigorously but I'm certainly not getting to Ben Simmons levels. That's for damn sure. But uh, <laughs> all right, let's uh, look to wrap this up now. So the interesting thing is when, uh, when you look at the pieces and the you know, potential moves the Bucks could make, we spoke about uh, probably the prime candidates right now. There's always other guys that, that pop up, although there just isn't that many contracts out there in the league right now that look attractive to a trade or, or movable to a contender. So it's interesting to watch. But last year we saw... And I will, I'm still, I don't know about you, Fran, I'm still totally fine with that Don Maker Miritich trade. That's the type of trade that can get you a a championship. And the the thing that um, people should probably take note of that is the fact that Thon was a, a top 10 pick for the Bucks, And he was a guy that they invested a, a really high draft pick in. And he was probably a guy, or he was a guy that they could have kept around for really nothing this year. And uh, let's be honest, it looks like uh, you, you could probably keep him even longer for not much if, if you wanted to. So uh, the point of that is that the, the Bucks were willing to move one of these guys that they had invested in if they didn't see that there was a role there in the rotation. And that's why... I don't know whether they will, but I think it's interesting to watch those two guys in particular, Sterling and DJ, who have played great basketball at times. But if there's not a spot for them in the rotation and the Bucks don't think that they're going to be guys that are going to play, I think that they're, they're, they're having conversations about those guys and the Bucks are going to, again, look to uh, make that uh, potential home run trade to get them uh, over the edge and get that guy. Because at the trade deadline last year, everyone was saying that the Bucks were the big winners. Yeah, I mean... Again, I think this is the process versus, uh, uh, you know, results thing, right? And, I mean, unfortunately, you're often judged by 
uh, the results, you know, the, the, the victors often get to write history. Uh, but as far as the thesis behind what the Bucks did, uh, going after Meritich, um, yeah, I mean, I think it was still a sound move. And, um, you know, would we have expected that Meritich would be basically play himself out of the rotation in those East finals and, you know, not be able to hit a shot and, you know, that Bud would probably play him way too much with Urson when, you know, he was a guy that, that should, they, those guys should have been played with anybody else. Um, you know, unfortunately that, that's, that's something we can't really control. We can only speculate how things might've worked out differently in, in another world. But uh, you know, a, a year earlier, he looked awesome in the playoffs for the Pelicans and lo and behold, uh, putting on the Bucks jersey ultimately never worked out. Um, but yeah, I think again, you know, on on trade deadline day, you know, the Raptors made their big move for Marcus Um And to be honest, I, I mean, my initial thought was, hmm, do the Raptors maybe become a little too big, a little too slow playing with Gasol um, versus um, you know the Bucks becoming more versatile with Miritich. And obviously, you know, it worked out the opposite, right? I think Gasol was obviously really important to the way that the Raptors were able to defend at a high level, not just against the Bucks, but uh, throughout the playoffs, and and especially against Joel Embiid. I mean, Gasol's defense against Embiid was, regardless of what happened in the other playoff series, and regardless of what's happened otherwise. I mean, the incredible way he's defended uh, Joel Embiid is has been worth it just just for that, um, especially given that they didn't give up a whole lot for for it. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely kind of one of those things. I mean, um, you know, at, at the margins, that that's what the trade line becomes about. Um, you know, can you go from being a team that has you know a twenty percent chance at winning a title to twenty five percent? And that's not easy to do, uh, especially when you're not trying to trade away you know major major assets at the deadline. So I think that that to me is going to be the big the big existential question for the Bucks is do they do they hang on to Bledsoe principally, right? Um, if Bledsoe kind of continues on his current trajectory where he's having a good season, you know, if you didn't know about his playoff issues, you wouldn't look at him as a guy that you'd want to get rid of. But, um, you know, when push comes to shove, do they look at him and say he's part of the solution or he's he's part of a trade to get to a better, a better end state? And, again, uh, it's... I don't know what the answer is and they've got a, they've got a couple months to figure that out. Yeah, that's really it. And I think it's, it's just something to monitor. It's going to be worth watching because there's a bunch of contending teams out there that, that feel like a championship is within their grasp this year. You already pointed to the fact that last year's trade deadline uh, swung things and that there ended up being a move that played a, a major role in a championship. Uh, the Bucks were in those uh, sweepstakes. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for them, but uh, it's it's something to watch. They've got some guys that, that could potentially be attractive to other teams. There's a bunch of guys on the, on, on the market that makes sense if you can put a package together. So I think it's really interesting. And, and now that we are past that December 15th deadline, it's uh, it's worth having the conversation. But the Bucks do have another day off still here before we get to, I'm going to say, the most anticipated game of the regular season. Bucks Lakers at Fiserv Forum. The Bucks are 24-4. and four. We will be back tomorrow with a full preview of that one. But for now, for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.